I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, hello, and welcome to the Leaves of Glen podcast, uh, a mansion. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and uh, not just recording in my basement. This is where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. This week, I continue to read Judgment on Janice by Andre Norton about the author... Andre Norton, born Alice Mary Norton, February 17th, 1912 to March 17th, 2005, uh, was an American writer of science fiction and fantasy who also wrote uh, works of historical and contemporary fiction. Well, she wrote primarily under the pen name of Andre Norton, but also under Andrew North and uh, Alan Weston. She was the uh, first woman to be the Gandalf Grandmaster of fantasy. Hey. And to be inducted into the Science Fiction and Fantasy Hall of Fame? Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have no fun facts about her. That's pretty much all we get to learn about her. Uh, this is my second to last episode on this goddamn book. And uh, the book makes me so upset, uh, I've had to record it in stages. I had to read the first half of the book one day, and that took a long time, and I cried for a while. Then I had to go read the second half of the book a different day. And now I'm going back and doing the intro and stuff. So now you know how the... Uh, the meat is made. Uh, how the sausage is... Uh, I don't know how the... What, what is that term? Eh, whatever. Anyways, uh, so since I'm angry, we're just going to uh, read about uh, jerks from grunge.com. Authors who are dicks. Uh, and grunge.com is known for writing in a really cool way that teens love. So we're going to learn about William Golding. Lord of the Flies? Yeah, he's one of the scariest books ever written. Oh, the plot revolves around uh, a group of boys who wind up on a desert island and divide into murderous factions uh, and revert to Stone Age savagery. It's one of the uh, essential novels when it comes to exploring man's dark side and something author William Golding knew only too well. Oh, in 2009, it was revealed that he had recorded a deeply disturbing incident in his private papers. According to Golding himself, when he was an 18-year-old college student, he tried to, oh, rape a 15-year-old named Dora. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, this stopped being fun. Uh, the assault happened a couple of years after the first two met, when Golding was coming home from his freshman year at Oxford. Golding justified his desire, eh, for a a minor by writing that at the age of 14 Dora was already already sexy as an ape and at 15 as they went walking one day he decided the young teen definitely wanted his aggressive advances oh he just decided okay but as it turns out uh, she wasn't interested in having sex that's how that works and she fought back which is natural and as Golding put it he unhandily tried to rape her and the entire time they were wrestling like enemies because you actually were enemies. Eventually, Dora put up a good enough fight that Golding was forced to back off, thank God, while trying to assure her, I'm not going to hurt you. Of course, the fact that he just tried to rape her probably convinced Dora he was lying, so she took off running, leaving him behind. 
it's a pretty horrific story and proof that no matter where you go, there's a lot of evil lurking in the hearts of, quote, civilized people. Well, that brought the tone down to a book that's already painful to sit through. Uh, how am I supposed to make this episode not uh, an emotional hell for anyone listening? Uh, it's already gonna be. This episode's like three hours long or something because I gotta try and get through this goddamn book. And uh, yes, it is an emotional hell. It's definitely an emotional hell for me. Uh, what else is an emotional hell? Uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was fine. I hung out with my family, my sister, my brother-in-law, my niece, uh, wife, dad, dad's wife, and the cats. Uh, it was fine. Uh, we all hung out and had dinner and everything. What made it an emotional hell? Football. Every time, my sister decided that the only reason why our team is winning is that she's watching football. She's never really watched football before. She never took an interest or gave a shit. But for some reason, she decided she needed a hobby, and her hobby now is football. And she's like, oh, if I miss a game, they're going to lose. Uh, they did lose recently, but then she found out one of her co-workers' moms was watching, and that mom never watches football. So, of course, through the power of magic, it's got to be that mom's fault. Made her promise not to uh, watch again, and uh, I guess they won again. So... I had to watch football. That was hellish. Uh, Thanksgiving. But at least I got to day drink at the Mall of America uh, a couple days later. Well, with that, why don't we get into the story? Ah, there you go. Why don't you just get yourself nice and settled here in a big leather comfy chair in the reading, the library. I forget my own bit. I think I'm supposed to be in the library. We're in the library, and I'm going to read to you this story. What happened previously? I don't freaking know. Uh, he met a girlfriend. He met a girlfriend, and he, uh, she changed into a alien that also is partially possessed by an alien, and... Uh, then he's trying to get her to safety, but of course it's one of those uh, will-they-won't-they they, when he's pulling a William Golding, grabbing her by the arm, dragging her around everywhere, and she doesn't really know who he is. I don't know. I don't care. I think the bird thing's involved at some point, and uh, maybe a, a cow crock. I don't know. Anyways, why don't we get into the story? Chapter 13. That Which Abides. Oh my god. The first line in quotes is A Y Y Y Y A A A A R R R R dash I R. God damn it. His cheeks scraped gravel as his head moved. Why was he so aware of that small discomfort amidst the haze of pain that wrapped him in? Oh, the cow crock. He had fought a cow crock, one free of its pit. No, that was wrong. Uh, he had faced another cow croc on a riverbank and had fallen A-R again. Against his will, his eyes opened. There were smoke wreaths over him, the choking fumes making him cough. That coughing wrenched his body, bringing uh, gasps of pain. Uh, heat came with the smoke, scorching fingers of it reaching him water. There was water. Uh, Niall began to crawl until one hand uh, he could use to plunge into the water. Then, without knowing just how, he rolled into the stream, floundering uh, his head under so that he uh, choked again. A.R. Uh, something pulled at him. Niall tried to fight away from its clutch, which was torturous. It tightened on his arm. No, he thought. He shrieked that protest. Water. Niall was in the water, but his head... What's above it? Resting on a support that moved, spun, 
pulled him with its first in one direction, then another, but haze had cleared some from his head, and he was able to look about him with a, uh, with a measure of comprehension. <coughs> That's staying in the show. His injured arm laid along the water-worn leg. His right one dangled across it in the water on the other side so that his head and shoulders were above the surface of the water, and when the infinite labor was able to be turned his head again, oh, he saw that he was not alone. Green-skinned face. Uh, the eyes... Very large and bright, pointed ears above a hairless head. A.R., as she made his name a question. But as yet, Niall could not answer. He could only lie quiet, uh, littling, uh, letting her will and the river's current decide, uh, decide his future. That somehow had, he had found Ashla and that they were in the river. That Niall knew. And the rest did not matter now. There were other creatures in that waterway. A dripping head arose beside Ashla uh, for a space, and a clawed paw strove to cling equal with her hands, and then both vanished again without Niles really knowing what man turned the page er of animal had striven to share their way, a very frail hold on the future. Uh, A.R. Push, her voice roused him again. Smoke or dusk, the river was dim, and before them loomed a land tongue, sprouting rocks, and tangles of brush. And on there were beached other fugitives uh, from the water. Still, uh, some squatted above the waterline, others moved inland. The bottom rose abruptly under Nile, and his knees scraped on that undersurface, jarring his arms so that he, uh, that he cried out. Oh, and they crawled up among those other refuges from, from the fire, and there were many rocks uh, here, arching high, and they squeezed into a pocket between to such. Niall collapsed, only the boulder backing his shoulders uh, held him up. Your arm, Ashla bent over him. Let me see. Red hot agony was a lance reaching up into his shoulder, down to his chest, and he tried to evade that torture, but her body was braced against his, uh, her two hands, mm, cupping his chin, uh, holding his head steady as she spoke. Slowly, striving to gain hold of his attention, to reach his, his thinking mind. The bone is broken. I should try to set it. Uh, brace yourself. So is oh. Her hands were on him, shifting him a little. In his right hand, put a, against his rock, his palm flat. Dimly, Niall understood. He tried to do uh, what she wanted. Then pain, to which she had earlier felt, was nothing at all. Exclamation point! Oh, he swirled away, wrapped in that pain, losing the rocks and stable under him. Everything. Now, there was a weight across his body, a throbbing in his arm, and Niall raised his head. Light growing light. Uh, his eyes squinted, and then he forced the lids further up, and the weight of his chest, uh, with his left arm splinted and bound, and the, the light of that of day. Iliel, she had been with him in the river, and that held through the haze and the pain, and now she slid down the boulder at his call. In one hand, uh, she carried a leaf twist, container from which the water splashed, and as she held that to his mouth, Niall drank thirstily. Can, uh, can you walk? Her hands were under his shoulders, trying to raise him. Ah, she spoke brusquely, uh, her question, a demand. Uh, there is need? Niall was alert enough now to measure uh, what might trigger her concern. Burp, there is need. He was on his feet, a little lightheaded, but ready to move. Matter-of-factly, Ashley came to him, drew his right arm across her shoulders, and started him along between the rocks. All they appeared to have some offshore in a barren waste, but no green showed, and the rocks glittered in the glowing light. Ah, oh, they would have to uh, find, uh, find a refuge. 
uh, from the sun or be blinded until evening. But, but where? Where do we go? Niall asked her, hoping uh, for some kind of concrete answer. Up! Her reply was ambiguous, but climb they did, and that was a chancy business. Though they went slowly and the terrain was rough and broken enough to provide some kind of natural stair in places, oh, they, they finished that climb on a height facing broken lands given by crevasses, uh, out of which curled, as might, tongues of green smoke and twisted spires of uh, vegetation. Uh, more gray than green. Niall's eyes told him that there is no promise here of a welcoming forest. Suddenly, Niall stiffened against the girl's steady arm. Uh, 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 which side of the river? He asked with uh, more emphasis than he had used before. Uh, the north. Uh, this is the waste. He did not need any confirmation from Ashler. The very feel of the place caught at him might a breath of corruption out of a long-sealed crockock pit. All he could see were rocks and those ravenous chokes uh, with the ill-shaped growth. And, and, uh, uh, and yet, as he had before on the road of the mirror, he sensed a lurking, a, a, a scouting, eh? a spying. Not on his part or Ashla's, but something, dot, 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 out there, dot, dot, dot. This is a waste, he repeated almost stolidly, but the sun is rising and we cannot return to the river. And twice the port flyer has cruised overhead. Well, there are strong arguments for ground to ground here, and yet there are still weak ones in the face what Niall felt looked out over the barren country and remembered horror's warning that they had gone uh, uh, undetected, unharmed to the mirror and returned. But now all through the latter part of that, oh, that's right, they went to the mirror. I forgot about the mirror thing. So stupid. Niall had known uh, with a strange certainty the safety lay only on the ancient road between the two walls. Walls that had been erected with a purpose of defense... Uh, against what? And what uh, road had been so very old could menace it had uh, been walled to resist still exist? Oh, there's no choice, Ashley continued, and Niall could feel a tremor in her arm about her shoulders. We need not go far. <coughs> that stays in the show. And you, have, uh, and you have your sword. Niall saw now that the belt of the weapon... Way down a shoulder, uh, where he had found it or how she had kept it throughout her river journey, he did not know. But he believed that in time and place that Iftgin forged weapon was a small protection indeed. However, they had no choice. Perhaps he could make the shade of the nearest of those knife-slashed crevasses uh, go uh, to ground under its growth uh, to wait out the day. But that was the best he could do. Get me over there, he pointed to the nearest cut. And then you go, uh, keep close to the water, and head as far west as you, as you can before true sunrise. I do not know uh, how far this extends, and you may be able to get out in an hour's travel. Now, she made no answer as she steered him ahead, but uh, he suggested uh, that only a small chance of success, but it was better, far better, than for her to remain here. When Ashley did speak... That was to point out the easiest way down to the ravine uh, to warn against rough footing. And Niall was to engage with battling through brush and argue, uh, to argue with her. Oh, God, here we go. <coughs> I don't know what's going on with my throat, but it's all staying in the show. The stuff was brittle, oddly de uh, desecrated, as if in spite of its appearance of life uh, and growth, it really was dead and only preserved a semblance of what it had been once in truth. There was an acrid smell to the snap branches, Crushed leaves, uh, not, not the wholesome aroma of the forest country as they neared the bottom of the cut. Niall saw pale, unwholesome plants close to the ground level. Puffy things eh, with fleshy, tightly curled leaves. Here, 
Ashley steered him right and halted. Part of the tree trunk was still possessing a look of true forest uh, protruded from the wall of the gully, and its heart long since decayed and eaten away, but uh, but its outer shell making a kind of wooden cave, which to Niall uh, offered more natural roofing than the still-living vegetation about it. Uh, but, uh, but when he put it, uh, out his hand to that old bark surface, he touched it, not to the substance of the long dead wood, but to the hardness of rock. The tree, the tree was petrified. This will serve me, the girl said quickly. You must go before the sun climbs. Well, he, she had eased him down under the curve of the stone bark and now settled herself beside him composedly. We go together, if at all. Niall was alert to the hint of foreboding. If, if at all... All at once, Ashla bent her head, covered her face with both hands, and he was sure that she was not weeping. Not with running tears, uh, but there was a, a, kind of, a kind of despair in the line of those hunched shoulders, that, uh, that gesture with her hands, that held a, a hint of fear. Only for a moment uh, did she sit so, and then her head came up, her hands dropped to lie on her knees, but her eyes, her eyes remained closed. If... If it were only given to me to remember, to know, she cried out to him. Niall believed, but only to the very circumstance of their being. Iliel knew uh, so much that she knew, but Ashla does not. And sometimes I cannot reach Iliel through Ashla. Niall, what do you, what do you know of Iar? Truly no. Her eyes opened, held with a, with a fierce intensity, as if the answer was now the most important thing in the world, could lead to some salvation for the both of them. And it sparked in him a need to search his own mind for I.R. and what I.R. of the Ifted had known. God, I hate this. I think, he spoke slowly, wanting to be very sure of every limited fact, if in fact it could be a term for a recollection. Uh, he did know. He, he was a warrior. And he was Lord of Kaikak. But the meaning of that I do not remember. He was a captain of the first ring of Iftkan, and he battled there uh, when the Larsh overran the towers. Uh, he was a hunter and uh, no, uh, and one who, who roved much in the forest. Uh, that is all I am sure of. However, I pick the fruit, cross a trail, see or hear some animal or bird, and know that I.R. knew of them. But of I.R. I know very little. Enough knowledge to keep you alive in the forest, and a little, very little more than that, she summed up. Niall straightened. That, that made sense in a new way, exclamation point. Perhaps that was all I.R. was ever meant to give me. I fucking hate this, he brushed out. Enough forest lore to keep me alive, and all the rest, all that about all the fall of Ifcan, was something that was meant to be forgotten, but was not... If one was a recorder and must leave a message in a hurry, Ashley caught up the toss ball of idea, and the, uh, the message lies in the middle of another report, and then one could push an emphasis charger, but still part of a report would intrude upon it. I don't got a recorder. Niall was surprised uh, that she would choose such an example to illuminate her meaning, but uh, were recorders used by the believers? No. But when my mother had a blood affliction and the speaker could not pray it away, uh, her father bore his keen kind, uh, 
came and took her to the port to see the off-world medical, and I went with her, for she was unreli- or, uh, unable to care for herself. But it was too late. Uh, had we gone earlier, she might have been saved. Ashla was a quiet for a few moments, and then she went on. It was there that I saw recorders and many other things, things to make one think and wonder. Uh, many times I have remembered and thought on what I saw there, but suppose this forest lore was important for survival. But you were given part of the IR memory, and other parts of that memory also clung. Yeah, what about, uh, what about Ilyil? Does she also furnish you with such aid? Yes. Knowledge of animals. Uh, foes to dread. Three dots. Of certain plants to eat. To use in healing, Ashley frowned, and some that may be weapons. But Eliel was once a person of power, and she knew of the mirror, and she had a right to stand above it and evoke, evoke what lies within its waters. I think that she was in some manner a speaker of her people, one with weapons and tools, not uh, to be seen or felt. And it is in this place that I sense it the most, because I want to hold those weapons. Uh, against what? Niall demanded. Her frown grew. I do not know. Her hands went up to her head. It is locked in here. I know it is. And it is very important that I remember what Ilial knew. There is a danger here. Worse danger than the flamer. Oh, the hounds, the garth hunters. It has rested a long time or slept or waited with patience. Dot, dot, dot. And now, Dash, dropping her hands, she faced Niall with a drawing horror far back in her eyes. And then her voice sank to the faintest thread as she finished uh, what that uh, warning. It would dash feed. Well, Niall found himself listening, not just with his ears, but with all of him, as he, the hunted, listened for the snuffling of a hound. And yet he knew that no animal, no man, threatened him. It was something older, far more powerful, far more complex than any life form that he had known before. Was it, was it already out there, eh? De- teasing them? Or had it not yet awakened, uh, become aware of what it had long ago uh, hungered for when it now is in reach. The White Forest, Ilial spoke now, and IRs turned the page. Fear flared at that name. This is the fringe of the White Forest. Oh, great a song. Ifton sword, Ifton hand, Ifton heart, Ifton kind. Forged in dark, cooled by moon, born by warrior who will stand. When rising breaks and the tree tower falls, Ifton sword, Ifton brand. I fucking hate this so much. <laughs> God damn it. Trailed in a silence from the rich swing of that chant that uh, carried in its cadence the march of the feet, the clash of swords, the purr, hmm, the purr of tree drums. Ifton's sword, she echoed, and with a swift movement, drew the blade that he had found at Ifsiga, Ifs, Ifsiga, forged in the dark, cooled by the moon. If it were so, uh, if it were only so. That was part of IR memory, Niall told her. Do you know its meaning? Not little, only a little. Yeah, it's a prophecy, uh, a promise made to an Ifton hero in the blue leaf day. <sighs> And it was fulfilled, but that was in the blue leaf. Ugh. And our leaf is gray and withered. She turned the blade over and over in her hands, studying it closely. This was a key at the guardway. We saw that, both of us. Uh, perhaps it is more than a key. Perhaps it is the blade of uh, Kaimon or Aiken uh, to the blade. If so, it has the power uh, in its own substance, Ilial, comma, Ilial, dash, let me know more. 
The last was a cry, uh, was close to a sob. Oh, Niall took the sword from her. True, he had watched the green spark flare at the tip of the blade, and uh, the symbol grew uh, glow in reply to the keystone of the arch, uh, but, uh, but his hand could uh, see no more than a finely made weapon. What did Kaimon do? Was he the hero of the prophecy? Yes, it was long ago, dim memory. Uh, he dared the white forest and won the peace of the Ifkin, so that those of the blood could <sighs> tower the great trees... And that which nursed the white forest was bound by the oath of forgetting and side-sitting. And then the blue leaf became the green, and still the oath held uh, between Ifkin and that which abode apart. Oh, that which abode apart, all capital letters for each word. That's probably meaningful. But then the green leaf was at its falling, the Ifkin were fewer, and the witch abode stirred. All oh, the oath was called uh, around aloud before Ifkin, so that the waste dared not advance, only the large, who had not sworn an oath, because in the day of its uttering, they could not mouth words, answered that which abode had come into its light, and that they were established as a nation, and grew the greater as the Ifkin grew less. When the gray leaf budded, once more that which uh, abode stirred in the towers of the Ifcan were shaken. The oath was spoken and the burning light which could not pass. But the Larsh, who had not given the oath, became its hands, its weapons. And the Larsh were many, and Ifton, so few, oh, so very few, oh, their hands were, were up before her, slightly cupped. Fingers apart, almost uh, Niall could see her try to hold water that trickled away to be swallowed up by thirsty earth, and in him I.R. responded with a vast surge of anger and despair. Uh, then came an end to Ifkin, and the end of the Ifkin, and there was uh, more oath-binding than that which abode was free to do uh, as it willed with its servants, the large. I hate this that which abode. I don't care. I don't want to learn anything about him. But now we have to, because it's just being thrown at us over and over again. And this is the memory of Iliel, Niall asked softly. This is the remembering of Iliel, though it comes to me dimly as one sees through hot bars of sunlight. Now, uh, the Larsh, four dots. Is this the day of the Larsh, the night of the Ifkin having passed, question mark? I think that perhaps the day of the Larsh has also passed away. There's no tale of them since the first off-world ship put down on Janus a hundred planet years ago. The Larsh may be gone, but that which sent them was not. Old powers linger in this land. Eh? Her voice grew stronger, and this may not be the blade that was forged by Kaimon, uh, carried by him to the great sword feast, sword feasting of the white forest. I hate all of this. I don't care about the great sword fisting or that which abode, fisting, <laughs> or that which abode. Uh, but within me is the knowledge that it has its power. And she paused and nodded as if she had been reassured by some voice or thought. Niall could not share. Oh, that you have a part in that which is to come, a part of purpose. Now it is well into the day. And the day is that time in which in, uh, that which bode. We must have rest. Give me the sword. Uh, I.R. Niall. Really? I.R. Niall. You're just going to call him by the full name now. Ugh. 
Do you sleep? For me, there is a stir, and perhaps I can remember more. Whereas I sleep, I may lose, and her certainty, which was such that could not be protested. Oh, Niall settled himself on the ground, his disconnected story uh, that she had uh, held in her mind. Uh, Kaimon, a hero who had forced upon uh, forced the oath upon the enemy so that the trees of Ifken could harbor its people and the ages that the oath held back a burning, pitiless white light until the Ifken grew too few, too few and too thin a bloodline too burdened with ancient memory to maintain their fortress and their lives against the battering waves of the Larsh. New come uh, from beast and the, dar- the daring and their youthful ignorance, their fostered hate to destroy that which they could not, uh, could never build. Stamp out that which they could not understand. Yes, I, our memory told him that she had the truth of that. Three dots. Ilial Ashla, mirror watcher that she was. Is he just going to start referring to, this author's going to start referring to everyone as their dual names? I'm dying inside. Chapter 14. Captured. The bared blade lay across his knee, his good hand resting ready on its hilt. Niall sat quietly. Outside, the vegetation-filled cut, the land was baking hot under a blazing sun. But here, within the trunk of the petrified tree, he could see. And always, there was hearing to depend on for a warning. Uh, Ashla slept now, and curled on her side, droplets of sweat gathering on her forehead. For if the eye-blinding glare of the sunlight did not reach her, the heat it generated did. He had nothing to do but listen and stare out at the stretch of gully. Where the, where the sun reached in splotches, yeah, the thick, fleshy growths opened and flattened out their uh, leaves. Eight. Niall watched insects, uh, small creeping things, blunder onto those leaves, stick fast, and slowly absorbed into the unwholesome surfaces. This was a place alien to man in its very nature. Now, the country of the forest had been closed to the settlers, feared and hated by them, <coughs> staying in, but home to the Ifkin. Ifton, whatever. This was a land close to all life, save that which had been conquered and or had bargained and accepted the enemy's terms. Oh, oh, to Niall's eyes, it was dead and dying, but that was not the truth. No, no, the life of the waste was merely frighteningly different. I.R. had given him hunter's ears, huh? a forester's sixth sense, and now Niall was conscious of a stir, a kind of awareness. Then uh, he caught a clicking, regular, eh, faint first, then louder, then fainter again, as if something had passed along the upper rim of the gully, something that had no reason to slink or creep, something patrolling on sentry go. All right, patrolling on sentry go, whatever. Perhaps he was allowing his imagination to to free reign. Yet Niall's senses were as certain of that as if he actually watched a thing pass there. The fugitives uh, were to be kept in the pocket until dash question mark that quote until unquote might mean many things an attack in force a break on their part uh, the coming of a higher authority ir memory supplied niall with no picture to bash that clicking pace well, it was louder again, coming now from the other lip of the ravine. Uh, either the sentry was making a circuit of the gully, or there were two of them. The wise thing might be to break cover while there was only one sentry or pair of sentries. This is so frickin' detailed that nobody cares. But neither of the fugitives dared try that. Oh, they'd be blinded by the sun, unable to either fight or run. 
uh, the thing was planting down to skim just above the growth of the gully. Horror! Nigh all for an instant of time held a very forlorn scrap of hope and was so tickled into happy trail. Oh, he tried uh, thought contact with that flyer and in return met a force so outside his comprehension that, uh, oh, burp, yeah, that was a loud one, uh, is a monstrous blow, hurling him back against the curve of the tree trunk wall. Not a flying thing, he thought groggily, uh, but an intelligence, an entity using a smaller and weaker thing to discover, dash him... No, Niall uh, screamed that, uh, but he could not tell. Perhaps he only resisted that invasion with his mind alone. But he was no longer in the tree. Oh, he was out in space, and he could have described in any words that he knew, confronting a being or an intelligence that had no form, only force and alien purpose. Uh, uh, being to which he and his kind were an enigma uh, to the discarded because they had not fit the pattern the being created. And... It was the very fact of that alienness that was Niall's shield of defense now, for he sensed that there was something in him that baffled the enemy. Oh, struck into the very heart of that overwhelming confidence. Kai kick. Kai kick. The old battle cry was on Niall's lips. Niall! Exclamation point. Oh, his head was against the petrified wood, and Ashla's hands rested on his shoulders. Oh, her eyes held to his, as if by the power of that intent gaze alone, uh, she had pulled him back from the place where he had faced the enemy. It stirs! It knows! And her features were set stern. For a long moment, her gaze continued to hold, as if she thus searched into his mind, seeking some thought, some feeling, that should not be within him... Then her head uh, moved in a small nod. Ah, the old truth stands. That may kill, but it cannot break us. Even when uh, one is a uh, Niall I.R. instead of true I.R. <sighs> and he answered strangely, uh, out of thought, that was uh, not yet clear. Perhaps because Niall I.R., not in spite of Niall. Ah, she caught his confused meaning. If so, that is well. Made to lose old knowledge, we should gain some measure of return. But now, that knows of us. Niall edged along the trunk's interior, but he did not know whether he could uh, could sight either of those sentries. Uh, that which clicked, uh, or that which flew. Ashla lifted a hand in warning, pointing up. The winged scout or spy was still above, now in a gave voice. Not with a carrying hoot, meh, or, or beak snapping of a quarren but in a long, shuddering wail, more suitable for stormy skies uh, and high seas uh, than for the sunlight of open day. And across a piece of open sky, Niall saw it fly. Saw what? He was not sure. Uh, the light was too strong for his eyes, and that thing could almost be a, a drift of cloud. Uh, he only knew that it was a glittering white, and that its form it was hard to distinguish. Not a bird, I think, he qualified with his, with his guess, his first guess. I read that weird. And it was a, a watcher and a seeker, Ashla brushed the back of her hand against her forehead. Always only bits of what she could, uh, could be known. In spite, it is not to be feared. Only that it is an extension of that other, ooh, four dots, in an end quotation. Listen, Niall, shaped the word of his lips, afraid that even a, a threat of a whisper could reach the sentry. The clicking from the opposite side of the gully. He eyed the brush about his mouth uh, with the tree trunk. It measured the distances. He eyed the brush about, oh, the mouth, not his mouth. Okay, whatever. Why am I going back and correcting this? Just got to get through this. I got to finish this goddamn thing. 
He measured the distances and the height of the growths before he began to tug at the lashing and fashioned his injured arm across the chest. Ashla uh, could have protested, but he signed what he would try, and she loosened the tough ties of grass, leaving his arm free. Niall began to squirm a few inches at a time to, to the open, and then in protecting hollow of the tree. No, no clicking now. Uh, the sentry had passed. Uh, was at the farther end of the gully, but Niall had discovered that his spy post uh, was belly flat at a point from which he could see a small portion of the rim, and now that click, that click was returning. Slowly, Niall pulled down the straggling branch to form a screen between him and the patroller. Oh, with his, with his green skin, huh? And his clothing meant to camouflage in the forest. He believed that he did not have to fear detection from above as long as he remained quiet. They came into view, and Niall stared unbelievingly. This was no monster from Janusian past, no alien nightmare. It was something that he had seen before, many times. And yet, when his first bewilderment had vanished, he was conscious of small details that were wrong. Before he could count to ten, the sentry had vanished past Niall's uh, vision point. A space-suited off-worlder walking with a jerky gait of anyone enclosed in the cumbersome covering, the clicking sound coming from the magnetic plates set in the boot soles of an off-worlder, in the common rig from any starship, and yet there was differences about that suit. The, the whole thing was heavier, eh? with more bulk, and the helmet. The helmet had the fours-ganilled cock-like hump. <laughs> at the back of the neck. I am looking for anything to enjoy out of this book, and I enjoyed that, I guess. The fours ginnelled had been replaced years ago. Niall tried to remember back to the days when uh, he had free range of his father's ship. They had had hammer hammockers on every suit. Why, you only saw the fours ginnelleds. I don't even know if these are real things anymore. She makes up so many fake things in here that I, and it just passes it off like we're supposed to know what it is, that these could be real things on a suit that I just have no idea because I don't care anymore. Now in museum collections of outmodeled equipment, eh, that suit could be a hundred years old. Eh. And he had to be sure now that this was not some hallucination induced by the sun in his own faulty day sight, Niall remained there as he was, listening eagerly for the return click of those boots on rock, thinking furiously, oh, oh, why would the patroller be wearing a, a spacesuit on a planet where all the conditions were favorable for, uh, for life, his life form? Because uh, as a suit of a, a Terran, uh, or a Terran-descended explorer, click, click, Niall raised his head as far as he could without moving out from behind his, his brush screen. For his Ganeld, all right. Oh, and now his attention was drawn to the anachronism, he spotted others. The suit was old. No modern planet hopper. No matter how out of funds he would entrust his life to a suit that far from the past. Why, why, why was he not able to service it? Perhaps not even be, uh, be able to operate some of its archaic equipment. Which meant, three dots, question mark, Chilled inside in spite of the heat that reached him, Niall waited until those clicks grew fainter and then wriggled back to the tree trunk. Uh, 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 what is it? Ashley asked. Niall hesitated. Oddly enough, he would accept that part of a flying thing that was a tool of reaching an alien intelligence, but he could not accept his own physical change, the presence of IR memory to share his mind better than he could accept the fact that a hundred-year-old spacesuit was methodically tramping about the edge of the gully in the wasteland. Was it, uh, was it because the powers of the Ifkid were alien? 
and so could be accepted as a believing child would accept the wonders of an old tale while science was represented by that marching suit, an object which was concrete and did not deal with memories or emotions, but with stark fact. And here, the stark fact was, three dots, wrong. Oh, the suit marched, uh, but it marched inside it. Oh, Niall had not been able to, from where he lay, to distinguish any features behind the faceplate of the helmet. All at once, he had an odd and completely disturbing vision that on occupied suit, animated by what would have been seen or felt, or by what obeyed as a flying thing to obey. Uh, what is it? Ashley crept to her side and her hand on his good shoulder. What do you, what do you see? A spacesuit. Marching, Niall supplied the troop. A spacesuit? Who? Niall shook his head. What? He corrected. It's an old suit. Very old. Old? They reported once that the hunting party from the port had been lost. Old. No hunter would wear a spacesuit. Uh, no crewman would ever have to wear one on Janus. Uh, this is an Earth planet. What? An Earth planet. This is an Earth planet. Entirely suitable for terrain-descended life forms. I do not understand. I do. Uh, in part, Niall told her, this, uh, that which is here uh, has another servant. Once off-world, but now his, or its. In two hours, the sun will be gone. Ashla looked out at the tree trunk, measuring the planet's shadows as they lay on the ground. And in the dusk, oh, we will be uh, the favored ones. That suit, now nah, we will be clumsy. Yeah, but what wears it cannot move fast across broken ground. True. Niall had already made that deduction. But he knew, because he's smart, but he knew that something else. Uh, there was an arm's belt about that stocking figure. If not a blaster, it wore tools that could be used as weapons, and he told her so. That's very old. Would the uh, charges in the summer, in the call cut, still be active? Now it's just gobbledygook. There's uh, just this huge collection of bullshit words, and so now I have no idea what anyone's saying anymore. <laughs> Again, Niall was surprised by the familiarity with off-world machines and tools. Oh, I was at the port for a double handful of days after my mother died. Uh, oh, there's much to see, yeah? Uh, to keep one from thinking, she said, answering the unspoken question. Uh, there was uh, no one uh, there to say uh, such learning was evil. Well, you always had this liking for worldly knowledge. No, after the port, yes. Just as I wanted to know more of the forest. Not to destroy, as was Garth Way, but to, uh, to know it as, uh, as free. Free and tall and beautiful. Before I was ill, Ill eh, I had such longings. But that has nothing to do with the spacesuit or what it may do. I do not believe that we can outweigh it here. Ugh. Why don't we, uh, uh, why don't we, I don't know. Retire up to the master bedroom where I do the sex thing. That's not real. Uh, I can't even pretend that my wife is there to watch us like some kind of pervert because she's upstairs sleeping. Uh, why don't we uh, uh, go up there while I read to you the next uh, upcoming romance novels from Penguin Random House Books. I'm coming. I'm, uh, yep. All right, I don't... This book is tapping the life out of me. I can't even get into my bits anymore. So what are you? Oh, you're dressed as a sexy witch. Don't care. Where's the book? There it is. You put it on the bed. Uh, Back in a Spell by Lana Harper. It's part of the Witches of Thistle Grove series. Its category is romance. Let's just get through this horse shit. 
Uh, about back in a spell, an awkward first date leads to a sparkling romance between one of the most powerful witches in town and a magical newbie uh, in this rom-com by Lana Harper. Oh, it's a New York Times best-selling author of Payback's a Witch. That's clever. Even though she won't deny her love for pretty and pricey things, Nineveh, Nineveh, Nineveh. Blackmore is almost painfully down-to-earth and sensible by Blackmore standards. But after a year of nursing a broken heart inflicted by the fiancé who all but ditched her at the altar, the powerful witch is sick of feeling low and is ready to try something drastically different. A dating app. At her friend's uh, urging, Nina goes on a date with Morty Gutierrez. The non-binary, offbeat soul of spontaneity and co-owner of the Shamrock Cauldron. Their date goes as about as well as can be expected in most online dates. Awkward and terrible. To make matters worse, once Morty discovers Nina's last name, uh, he's far from a fan. It turns out that the Blackmores have been bullishly trying to buy the Shamrock out from under Morty and his family. But when Morty begins developing magical powers, something that usually only happens to committed romantic partners once they officially join a founding family, at the same time that Nina's own magic surges beyond her control, Nina must manage Morty's rude awakening to a hidden magical world, uncover its cause, and face the intensity of their own burgeoning connection. Oh, oh, but what happens when that connection is tied to Nina's power surge? Uh, a power... She's finding nearly as addictive as Morty's presence in her life. That's back in a spell by Lana Harper, part of the Witches of, Witches of Thistle Grove series. It's paperback for 17 bucks, coming out January 3rd at Amazon. Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Bookshop.org, Hudson Booksellers, Indiebound, Powell's Target, and Walmart. Well, I don't give a shit. Uh, yeah, 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 you're dressed as a sexy witch. It's actually not a bad costume. There was a time when I might have found my phallus erect. But today, I am completely drained by this horrible story that I have to try and force my way through through multiple recordings to get this damn thing done. I have no boner for you, sir or madam. Uh, I would rather go back and try to finish reading this damn chapter and a half. Ah, there you are. Uh, yeah, go on, sit down. Nope. Uh, shut up. Stop trying to ask me questions. I don't care. We got to get through this book. No, I'm not going to give you a glass of sherry. Shut up. Just sit there and let me read at you. <clears throat> no, Niall had already determined that our water is gone and food. Ah, we move with darkness and perhaps we can do it in this fashion. The gully is long and narrow, running roughly northeast by southwest, uh, so I can remember it when we came in. Though I was not too clear-headed, uh, he made a question that uh, she closed her eyes as if to better visualize the territory. You are right, and the other end is very narrow, like a sword blade pointed so, she sketched with her fingers. And if that narrow end can be climbed, it is our best way to try out. Uh, the suit marches at a regular pace, so we must creep under a cover uh, down into the ravine as soon as the dusk is heavy enough and wait for it uh, to be at the end. And then we'll make our break to the west using every shadow we can for cover. Now, there are many chances for that. Well, we can take them. Or we can sit here until we die or they dig us out like jamob rats. <sighs> Niall snapped. 
To his surprise, Hashler laughs softly. Ho! Ho, warrior, I do not question the rightness of your plan. For, to my mind, not to question the rightness of your plan, but for my, uh, for my also, that is the same one. I don't give a shit anymore. But uh, we have the fleetness of foot and the skill in hide-and-seek to bring us out of here. Oh, that we shall see. For all his hopes, that statement did not sound as hearty as he wished. And as the long minutes crawled by while they waited for the coming of dusk, Niall experienced first a crowding impatience and then a growing sense of the utter folly of what they must attempt. By counting his pulse beats, he could gauge the pace of that space-suited sentry. Judge how long it took the patroller to make the circuit of the ravine. Ashla lay down again and her head pillowed on her arm. Niall wondered with amazement uh, if she were able to even sleep now. Well, the sunshine cannot last forever. Eh? Well, shadows grew and met and spub webs across the valley. And still, the click-click of that patrol sounded regularly at length. Niall gave the girl a small shake uh, so she could look up at him. We go, but keep down well, well under the bushes. Do not, uh, don't, don't touch any plants if you can help. You mean uh, the eaters? Yes, I have seen uh, what they do, but you are closing with the dark. Take care of your arm, and shall I resling it for you? No. It's better at my side if we crawl. Now, keep behind me, and do not move the brush if you can help it. Oh, it was uh, one of those periods where every minute spun into an hour of listening, of movement. Uh, kept agonizing into a minimum. Oh, and Niall longed to get to his feet in just a, just a run for the sword point at the end of the valley in leaping bounds. Yet he must make a lizard sly passage. And they cowered together halfway down the length of their way as the suit stamped by above. And again, burp, oh God, another burp. And again, and again when only a quarter of their journey still lay ahead as if it passed on the other side. Then they reached the point facing a narrow crevice. And ten feet above, maybe a little more, the open rock of the waste plain would lie open. To get straight back to the river would mean passing the patroller in the open, and that Niall dared not try unless he has, was left no other choice. Now he stared up at the crevasse, praying no uh, slide would start from the clutch of his fingers and the dig of his booted toes. Oh, he pulled himself up and supported and steadied the girl below, and then he lay across the rim and stretched down with his good arm to assist her in turn. Now they could see the sentry almost halfway down the right side of the, of the journey. Uh, to the left, thankfully, Niall uh, sighted an inky blot of shadow cast by the standing... Uh, my eyes are suddenly watering... That's probably just another stroke from reading this goddamn book. Uh, standing spar of rock. It was the sword that had betrayed him. Niall had set it back to the sheath before he had climbed, but now, as he moved, weapon and scabbard scraped the stone, and the noise was loud. Uh, quick, Ashley caught him and pulled him on. Oh, oh, please, quick. Somehow they made it to sprawl into that patch of dark, but the regular click-click of the space boots had already become a tat-tat, a, a rat-tat, a rat, it became a rat-tat. Then, silence. Was the patroller ready one of his weapon tools? His weapon tools? From his suit belt? God, I hate this. What a lash of flame meant to seal a break of the ship's skin. Oh, the 
cut across the rock as a herdsman would use a stock whip to snap straying animals back to the herd. I are behind you. Nile twisted about. Oh, no, spacesuit reached from that side. But these were pallid, leaping, moving things resembling the hounds of the Garths, and yet unlike. Uh, for the hounds were animals, and their kind had long been subservient and known by mankind. But while the, uh, these were, uh, oh, Oh, these were another breed. Outside all natural laws, Nile understood. The Larsh Whites. Oh, fuck. W-Y-T-E-S. Now I are remembered, remembered such packs, hunting among the trees of Ifcan, uh, that had been an, an ill hunting, but one he had faced, sword ready, as he did now. A narrow head with eyes that were sparks of sun, blasting yellow, snapped at him, and he swung at it to cleave skull and tumble the pack leader back among its fellows. And there was no time to choose. His next kill for barred teeth were reaching for his throat. Niall stabbed upwards, saw another of the whites, whites, I don't know how to pronounce this, just whites, fall. Behind me, he ordered Ashla. Nah, not so. I, too, hunt whites this night. And he heard her cry and returned. Oh, oh, he saw her use the long hunting knife to cover from the rush on the left. Their surprise attack was a costly failure, and the pack withdrew a little. Uh, but one at the rear raised his head to voice a long howl, and from the dark sky came an answer, the cry of the flying thing which had earlier hung above the gully. And then, while the whites held them fast to their rock spire, the suited sentry strode into view. Oh, they were strange partners, the whites with their metal enclosed uh, unknown, but uh, the whites accepted and suited figures as their, as their leader, drawing aside it to pass, and I it stalked into a space directly before the fugitives and stood there. Niall tried desperately to see the face behind the helmet plate. The once clear surface of that section was fogged and, and webbed by a maze of fine cracks and lines completely masking its wear. Watch, oh, watch. He had, watch, eh, he had been so intent upon trying to learn the identity of their foe that he had not seen that the movement of the gloved hands until Ashley called out. But no warning could have saved him. Now Niall knew. The early suit might be clumsy according to modern standards, but it had been the best engineering and design of its time, equipped for dangerous and demanding duty. Once that small object now spitting at them had been set and dispatched, nothing short of a blaster would deter it from completing its mission. Oh, they were not going to be flamed out of existence. Uh, they were to be the helpless captives of what more than a suit hid behind the cracked faceplate. Or its master! Exclamation point. As far as he said blaster, and not belt weapon. <sighs> Chapter 15. The White Forest. A shallow ha a bowl of valley stretched on down and away from where they had paused, and the reaching moonlight made a shimmering maze of glinting prismatic light there. Niall ah, shielded his eyes for his good hand, and Ashla's fingers closed on his arm. The white forest, her voice was emotionless, drained, and not, he thought, by the fatigue of their journey over the broken plain of the waste, since that throw ray had circled them back at the edge of the forbidden territory they had marched straight on northward into the unknown, their space-suited captor in the lead. The pack of whites, padding at a distance, were covering the rear. A weird assortment of travelers. <laughs> the ray kept him docile enough, made them move in answer to the projected command of whatever lurked within the suit, and there had been no answer to all their attempts to communicate with that. Was their goal for the forest? 
The forest it was, if one judged that term applied to growth that arose vertically in the air and grounded roots. Spread branches grew closely together, but this was a forest of branching, glittering crystals. No leaves rustled there, no colors save for the rainbow flickers that twinkled and sparkled in the moonlight. It was as if ice had, had chosen to, to reproduce trees, yeah, and it succeeded in part. Yeah. The rain control moved them on, downslope into that place of cold and deadly beauty, because deadly it was. I.R. Memory and Niall thought, I am so sick of hearing the name I.R., I can't stand it, uh, brought fear, terror, no when a man's faces something far greater than himself. As an enemy, not personally, but to all his species. As early man of the Terran breed and had feared the dark, and one might walk in the blackness of their eyes and not to pierce, so that their ifton born hold an age-old aversion to stark light that could dwell uncomfortably in its glare. But Niall and Ashla had no choice. There was uh, no breaking that invisible pull between them and the spacesuit stalking forward, towing them as a man might tow a recalcitrant hound. I give up. I don't care. And as they were drawn over the lip down into that place of white light, the whites no, burp, no longer dogged them. Perhaps they, too, found this a place of terror that did not brave uh, that, that terror. Niall's boots crunched on a surface that gave in a brittle fashion beneath his weight, and he glanced down and saw that there was a trail of broken crystals powdered into sparkling dust. The ponderous footfalls of that suited guard were clearly marked, lying over the tracks, perhaps many of them. Well, now there was another sound, or sounds, a tinkling, eh, coming from the growths and the pillars up in the forest, and as they drew closer, Niall could see that those horizontally branched shafts stood tall, not with the overwhelming height of the tree towers of Ifcan, but, uh, but tall indeed, compared to his own inches. Ugh. Just, it's just taller than him. That's all you had to say. With the white forest, Ashley repeated, Tall it grows, straight it stands. Her voice held a, eh, a queer singing note, which Niall had come to associate with Iliel, speaking through changeling lips. But it was not real. It does not live. Therefore, it's not. What she meant, he did not understand, but oddly enough, her denial of what they could both see was a, a lift to his spirits. Built, grown by will, she continued. It lives by a will, a will to die by a will. I fucking hate this. But this is, but this will, cannot make another if can, no matter how it tries. They had passed under the wide, stiffly held branches of the first, quote, tree, unquote, and her words returned as faint whispering echoes. The chiming tinkle grew stronger, a hiss of answering anger. Ashla laughed. Her hand lifted to point a, a slim green finger at the next tree. Grow leaves, uh, but you cannot. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Nourish life, but you cannot. Shade the traveler, but you cannot. Feed with your fruits, but you cannot. Bend at the storm, but you cannot. Forest which has uh, no true forest, beware the life, the storm. Of that which you cannot have. Her voice sank again, and once more her hand reached for uh, class Niles. Why did I say that? She asked. If I could only hold the old knowledge in my head as you hold the sword in your hand, then perhaps we together might follow the path of Kaimon and dash and dot dot dot. She took her head. Even the manner of the triumph of Kaimon is lost to me now. Only I tell you, Niall I.R., uh, that we are the old knowledge that we, uh, that we could fight. Uh, there is a secret that slips through my memory when I would have it forth, and that's four dots. Always it's just gone from me. This is a place of power, 
but not the power of Ifcan, and therefore one power might be ranged against the other. And and only we hold the proper key. I do not care about any of this. None of it makes sense, and I don't even care. The hissing tinkle of the forest waxed stronger, making an odd rustling which lapped him about. Well, but there was no change in the pace from the suit, drawing them after it with the grip of the ray hold. Rayhold. The faint path which had wound down the slope now led in a curling curve among the boils of the crystal trees, while the moonlight reflected and re-dash-re-re-dash-re-dash-flected. So the moonlight reflected and re-reflected. Whatever. On the glittering knobs and surfaces, confused and bewildered, if the lesser light of the moon proved so formidable, what would the sunlight make of the mirror of Drunk Forest? Oh, there was no evidence of any native life, but Ashla had accused. Uh, this was a dead place, dead without ever having held life as they knew it. Does Iliel remember this? Niall applied the girl, uh, b- appealed to the girl by his side. Eh, uh, a little. Eh, uh, far too little. Any idea where we may be going? He persisted. No. Save that will be a place where there is peril, but for the opposite of that which dwells in the mirror, it balances this against the harvest, its weighed on the speaker's scales. <sighs> the ground still sloped down. Nile had not been able to judge during their short halt on the rim of the valley how large a territory the crystal erections, hmm, yeah, finally something fun for me, coveted. Uh, perhaps whatever controlled by the space-suited sentry, the whites, the flying thing, lay at the very heart of this land. Nile's mouth was dry, and his ankle ached dully, as did his arm. And he knew that Ashley must be hungry, tired, and thirsty as he was. Food, water, and a chance to rest. They needed these badly, but might need them more before his journey came to an end. Above their heads, the crystal branches wove a crisscross and a net shuddering out the night sky, and they were capped over by an icy cover. Uh, could they come away, uh, Mark? But could they come... Way mark a trail against a possible threat. Whatever. Niall was shocked out of that speculation by Ashla's fingers biting deep into his flesh with a convulsive grip. Startled, and he looked around. Oh, but her eyes were not for him. Her gaze was fixed on a tree ahead and to the left. Look, the merest whisper directed him. Niall obeyed. By some trick of the reflecting surfaces, there was a mirror of shorts and pictured on it dot, dot, dot. At first he thought the greenish figure was himself, or, uh, or Ashla, but then he knew that at such an angle, uh, their own reflections would be impossible. No, that was an ift, but a stranger. Who and, and where? Don't care. They were pulled ahead two steps, and that shadow image was gone, vanished as if it had never been there at all. Oh, but they were left to the knowledge that they were not alone in this glittering prison. If what or whoever walked in the spacesuit had seen that momentary reflection, there was no hint of it, no pause in the steady pace set. Almost Niall could persuade himself that he had seen nothing earlier, but Ashla held it uh, to its reality. And if, what of us, she told him softly, another uh, prisoner, well, how can you be sure of that? Because an if in the White Forest could only be a prisoner. Burp, burp again. To us, this place is, this place is death. Their captor eh, crunched on, and the invisible toe cord with which he held both of them continued its unrelenting pull. The ground now leveled out. They must be at the foot of the valley wall, close to its heart, and whatever secret it did hold. Oh, here the crystal trees stood very tall, approaching the lower 
quote, towers, unquote, of Ifkan size, and for much of their uh, length, their trunks were unbroken by branches. Those bare limbs uh, existed close to their own uh, crown, forming the roof overhead, but leaving such space underneath. Abruptly, uh, the prisoners were at the head of the stairway, much like the stairs that had led up to the mountain-cupped mirror, by which were reached downward into a second valley or cre- uh, crevice, uh, bitten sharply. Uh, into the earth, as if some giant warrior had struck with a sword blade to divide a furrow in the soft and yielding soil. Yet here, there's no soil. All oh, the ground itself was a glassy glaze. It stuck back at their eyes with a punishing light. I don't give a fuck. Niall surveyed the stair with his foreboding, the acute angle of descent which would tax a strong man. He doubted if the two of them would even make it now. And for the first time since he had taken them captive... Turned into march into the wilderness, the space-suited leader made a, a move other than just walking, hmm? and its metal-mittened hands rose to chest level, and, and, and it cast from it, uh, with a lazy toss, a small, a small disc. Ashless screamed, and I all shouted, and they were whipped after that spitting disc, their feet skidding and slipping on the slick surface of the glassy verge, pulled out into the air above the crevasse with no hope of escape, but the swift plunge to ghastly oblivion did not follow as Niall expected, though their feet had left the surface of the ground and they lay extended forward on what could be swear as this air alone, and they were not falling, they were floating as a man might in free fall of a spaceship descending into the gulf. That was true, but they, they but not the speed to crush them when they met the surface below. The walls rising about them were cream white, yeah, smooth save for that ribbon of stairway, and Niall spun his body around with memories now about how it had once been aboard a ship. However, uh, when he tried to move closer to Ashla, or, quote, swim, unquote, toward the wall stairway, oh, he was still under the uh, inhibiting control. Ashla was quiet after her first scream of fear, but, uh, but Niall could hear could hear her breathing heavily, see that her eyes were wide open and her features setting in the mask of naked terror. Oh, she had no defense against the strangeness to this, uh, no memory of free fall in space to sustain her. This dash is dash free dash fall dash as dash on dash a dash ship. Niall got out. Great, who cares? Oh, his outflung hand closed about her wrist so that their bodies drew together a little closer. Uh, this is controlled, perhaps, by the ray disc. Yeah, we get it. You've spent a page and a half explaining it. We don't need you to reinforce that for us. And it was just that they were going. But now, uh, that muttered now, below them, all you could see was the murky billowing, billowing, billowing. It's been cut in half. Murky, B-I-L-L-O-W-I-N-G. So I'm an idiot, but also screw this book. Darker than the walls, as if some fire streamed or smoked there. And yet it's no warmth in the air as the first streamers of that murk engulf him. Niall felt no change in temperature. His initial nightmare faded, and they were not uh, being wafted down to a furnace. The murk grew thicker. He kept his hold on Ashla, Close as they were, it was difficult to distinguish her features, but they were blind uh, here as they would have been in broad sunlight, as if for a different reason. Oh, how long have they fallen? Niall had tried to keep counting the steps of the stair, but he knew that he had missed out long since, and that they still continued to float down. Then, breaking through the frog, came a more, uh, more formations of crystal. Unlike the trees of the upper forest, these appeared in clusters of roughly geometric shapes, and they could be towers, uh, ramparts, eh, the bulk of a alien building, eh? While through them uh, ran small pulsing lines of light to no pattern Niall could perceive, save that they were formed veins in the surfaces as the veins 
carrying the blood to serve its own body. Ah, there was a bright flash of light at their feet while they were still above the surface of the ground, and whatever sustained them vanished in, the, in, in, in that wink. And they, were, they fell into a rush, landing in that angle between the two now-towering crystalline walls. Niall uh, sat up! And pulling Ashlet with him, the tinkling bell, which had become part of the world since they had entered the White Forest, was silenced. Now they had ceased to note it consciously while they heard it, but the quiet that followed was so complete, it awed them both. Why, 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 what is this place? Ashley held tight to Niall, but did not try to move. Iliel does not know. Oh, he appealed for some scrap of memory to aid them. Now, oh, she shook her head. Iliel sleeps, or, uh, or is gone. There was a desolation of loneliness in her answer. Niall strove to make his own contact. There was no touching any point of IR memory. They were totally on their own, intruders, prisoners, in an alien place. Uh, but the fact that there was no reason to sit and wait trouble, exclamation point, oh, one would choose a battlefield. And he had the idea that when the ray control, the ray control, had hit ground, it had broken. That they're not free of its bounds. Come! He pulled her to her feet. His left arm in splints was still fastened to his side, and he had to do, do before they set up... Uh, uh, he would leave it so. At least he could use it right in the sword that he had sheathed after their capture by the ray that had left them by the space-suited enemy. What defense that blade could be against an intelligence responsible for their present plight, Niall did not know. But the hilt felt good in his hand with his palm closed about it. Uh, where, where'd you go? Ashley asked. Oh, her question was a just one. The fog swirled about the crystal walls, leaked through the apertures in them, and there was no visibility for more than eh, a few yards in any direction. And on the other hand, every instinct uh, in Niall warred against the remaining where the disc had landed them. Stop mentioning the disc. We get it. Its part is done. Stop talking about it all the time. If the fog was a hindrance, it might also be a help. Oh, giving him cover. They said as much. Hey, which way, then? Ash did not protest, but turned and stood, studying the hardly visible landscape. As we fell, that stairway was uh, uh, over there, Niall pointed. And perhaps we can reach its foot. And uh, there's also a chance of finding food. Her tongue ran over her dry, cracking lips. And, uh, and water? I do not know. Now well, there's this. Uh, we brought. Uh, we were brought here carefully. Had our deaths been planned, we need to spare us that fall. Ashley spoke slowly, as if reasoning it out in her own mind. So, so, somewhere here is food and water. You may be right, but the price of wasting time in blind search... Well, one lives, there is always a chance. And if we climb the stair, we only come out of the forest once again. To find that suited thing waiting, or the, or the sun up... Eh? And the sun is shining in there. She did not need to elaborate. To climb into that sunlight blaze. Oh, God, we, we know that they're sensitive to sun. You could just drop this. She did not need to elaborate. To climb into the sunlight blazing on those crystal trees would be climbing into uh, sure death for Ifkin bodies, even if they could drag their way up that long stairway. Oh, uh... Which, uh, which way, then? Niall asked in turn. Now, this is a time of pass. We must depend upon chance... Ashla stooped to pick up an object she tossed from hand to hand. This is what brought us here. Let us see if, by the whims of chance, it can take us even farther. She shut her eyes and simply turned around before she threw the disc from her. There was a faint tinkle, and both saw the disc rebound from the wall and lie on the earth in the opening. That was logical and reckless to decide that their next move, but Niall accepted. Together they went through the doorway. So she just throws something and goes, okay, we're going to go in this direction. Or did she think the disc was going to... 
<sighs> There's no thought to this. The disc served its fucking purpose. It's supposed to throw you into this big glass pit. So now you're in the pit. The disc isn't going to be a way for you to get out, moron. It was a gate rather than a doorway, for the space beyond was open to the air overhead, as that were that they landed. This was a corridor of sorts, running straight ahead. Walls of crystal stood higher than their heads, half-curtained by the mist. Listen... Perhaps some trick of the crystalline walls carried and magnified that sound. Ashley was already hurrying toward the unmistakable murmur of water. Oh, they sped down the hallway, and the sound of the water grew stronger as they stumbled eagerly along. But there was another doorway, and they came through it into a space Niall believed was truly open. And through it, he could see little of its area. Ashla sprang on. This way! Eh, over here! And what they came upon was no natural river as they had known before. It was a river made of baby spit. I just made that part up. I am so bored. Water flowed there right enough, but it swirled at a race through the trough of crystal. Wait! A remnant of Iyar's hunter's caution made Niall call out. She did not listen to him. Falling to her knees, Ashla plunged both hands into the flood. She might have been testing the validity of what her eyes reported. Then the water running down her arms. Oh, she made a cup. A cup of her fingers and drank. Ooh, she's drinking the baby spit. It might be the wildest kind of folly to trust in the wholesomeness of what they found there, but Niall's resilience was swept away. Oh, he followed her example and the moisture on his skin. Hmm? The liquid he splashed one-handed into his dry mouth. That smelled no different, uh, tasted no different, and from any of that, he had drunk the forest springs and pools. Oh, it was cold, huh? clear like new life flowing into his whole body. You see, Ashla smiled, in this much chance favored us, we have found water. You're being thrown in a prison. Everything in that prison is controlled. So this is probably poison or something. It's something you just probably don't want. You shouldn't just be throwing... <sighs> Niall sat back at his heels, his first craving satisfied. Well, we may have found more than water. Now his wits were working and oh, weighing every small point that might operate in their favor. How? Well, the water comes... And it, and it goes. Hmm? Yeah. Hmm? Think about it. You mean follow the stream to its source or its end? Yes, that is good, very good. The water makes a good guide, a better one than any other that we've seen here, and we have no means of carrying a drinking supply if we leave it. So we had been forced to abandon the remains of the pack and with his water bottle and the food back by the river. Yes, we know. You don't have to keep re-seeing re things that we've already... Oh, God. Guide and sustainer are all in one. But which way do we go, eh? Upstream? Eh... Or down. Niall could see the difference in choice. Uh, either way, it uh, could serve their purpose. But he could say that. Oh, Ashla gave a little cry and leaned out over the trough, her hand flashing down to the water, coming up with something in its grasp. Uh, what held was a fussin' pod. Ugh, empty of seed, but still fresh. Upstream. This came from upstream. Where uh, there is... Uh, one, there may be more. Niall's hopes arose with hers. He got stiffly to his feet, favoring his aching arm. Upstream it is. Let us go. Oh, thank God this chapter's done. Why don't we, uh, why don't, uh, why don't we go down to the uh, smoking room? I think that's where the next bit goes. We're going to go to the smoking room and uh, review what the hell we just read. There you are. Uh, come on, hurry up, sit down. 
uh, so, um, what do we learn in this chapter? I don't know. I'm not going to review it. Who cares? I barely pay attention as I'm reading this thing. All the, the only time I ever snap out of it... <sighs> the only time I ever snap out of it and pay attention to what the hell's going on is when a new stupid name comes up. Especially when Niall also became Niall IR, so we had to keep referring to as Niall IR over and over again. I don't care. I hate... What's, what's good? Nothing. There's not a goddamn thing good. I want to say, oh, they finally got some action. Uh, they're being held captive. Uh, great. So now um, something's finally happening. There's some kind of action or something to keep you to, to get you to wake up and not just like zone out in some hypnotic trance because of all the stupid, ridiculous names that make you just lose focus. Uh, so they get captured. But then the author is so goddamn anal that they uh, they're they're being dragged by some invisible beam. And then it's like. The, this thing in an old suit. Who gives a shit? Uh, winds up taking some kind of disc, and then the invisible beam is tied to the disc, and he throws the disc, and they go flying through the air into some sort of glass pit. Great, whatever. Okay, so if you're gonna throw them into some kind of glass pit where they're gonna just die, uh, fine. I get it. Now we gotta escape the glass pit. Fine, there's something going on. But no, this author is so anal that it turns out, no, you can easily escape. Look, there's a river down here. But then why throw them in the glass pit to begin with if they're just gonna escape and come back? They're going to follow the river and come back. You've given them a, a food, a water source, and a presumably food. Uh, great. Why? Why even write that scene? So why even... Why? <laughs> God, I hate this book. So what's good? I thought there was going to be action, but actually what sucks is that there's no real action. There's hardly any conflict. I guess the only conflict is, is that his ankles sore most of the time. Jesus, what did we learn? Don't let assholes write books. I'm never going to read anything like this again. Usually I just open a book and start reading and record it. Oh, isn't it fun? We're going to read this book together. I have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what's going on. And I would just got to both go on this journey together. Isn't that fun? Well, the problem is, is I wind up reading books from pedophiles. And then the other one is I wind up reading books from boring idiots. Uh, so I'm on a bad roll. I have never said this in my entire life. I'm looking forward to reading Winnie the Pooh, which is the next book I'm going to read. I'm actually looking forward to reading Winnie the Pooh, a book that even as a kid, I didn't give a shit about because it was written at a time when they wrote things in a really boring way for children. Winnie the Pooh, when I read when I was a kid and I was like reading some of it, I'm like, oh, this is boring as hell. Oh, they they found a snail. Oh, that's a that's a conflict. They found a snail. Oh, I wonder what Pooh's going to do about that. Oh, I hope he doesn't get hungry and want honey. It's just as even as a kid, I'm like, this is horseshit. And then I go watch Robotech, where giant robots transform into airplanes and fight each other. And then it's like, oh, I guess I'll go back to Winnie the Pooh. No, fuck that. I'm watching Robotech. So uh, for the first time in my life, I'm excited to read Winnie the Pooh. Well, I want to go uh, because I'm tired. And uh, I guess that's... I'm going to have to start recording, reading more chapters of this days in advance to try and get through this with some kind of energy where I'm not just reading in a monotone voice. Uh, so I guess I'll do that next. And then once I get past that, we can both relax into the, the soothing, bubbling warm waters of Winnie the Pooh. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. 
can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people, not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. We can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, including stuff like gestating the curious mind with my lady friend and also a, a little side project I'm going to be doing with my daughter. Oh, I'm on Instagram, but no one uses that anymore because they all use TikTok. Am I ever going to get on TikTok? No. But if you want to look at my dead Instagram, it's at uh, HouseNuzzle. I also have Twitter, which I use the most, which is also conveniently at HouseNuzzle. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.Nuzzles at gmail.com. But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's got to be one left. 